you're not podcasting if you're not sweating. Zombie! Oh. It's Scaretober! <laughs> Welcome to the 60 Cycle Home! And you know what? Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve. And this is 60 Cycle Home, the guitar, bike, Sally, training, body, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, podcast! Hey, man. <laughs> you know what? You're wrong about solid state amps! You are not you. Steve is right about yeah. them. <laughs> we, like I own, I own several. Man, we had a topic call out from Kyle Barnhart. He said, "If people embrace solid state amps when they were first introduced into the market versus hating on them for not having tubes, how far along do you think that tech would have come if the market actually liked the stuff and there was a bigger demand for it? Would companies have had the innovation to make better stuff sooner if people actually cared about it?" Or was it actually just crappy due to the resources available at the time? P.S. I'm only asking because I got an 80s PV Bandit the other day. And to be honest, I think they really were making great stuff all along. People just choose to ignore it. The Bandits are awesome. Yeah. I think they're, they're, got, they're uh, great. And I got I mean the that, Blue Stripe. Blue Stripe Bandit. Nice. Nice. Those are fun. Uh, here's uh, part of the problem with the premise of the question is that Solid State Amps didn't start out with the reputation they have now. They started right. out as like kind of like a hi-fi option. Yeah. They yeah. started out as like, oh, here's hot new technology that is has like is better than tubes in a mm -hmm. way. Solid, solid state starting out started out with the marketing that Kemper has. Well, you sure, know, it's sure. like, yeah, yeah, there's some crappy versions of digital, but here's like the cream of the crop. You know, it rises, top stuff. It rises to the top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of like boutique solid state stuff in what throughout the 70s into the early 80s. You know, there's different periods. I mean, one um, of the most famous amps of, of all time, the Roland. What, JCM 120? The Roland JC 120. JC 120, solid state amplifier. Yeah, yeah. The clean machine. Every, every metal band. Uh, in the 80s, had a JC120 just for that one clean song that they had. Right. Just for that one power ballad. Right, right. And they ran a 12-string BC Rich Acoustic mm -hmm. through it. <laughs> That's not as far off. No. As, uh, as it, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> so what were you going to say, Steve? Um, I was going to say that there were probably some early... Uh, solid state amps that were trash, right? Oh, totally. Um, uh, but there were just like didn't find a market, you know. Well, there's a, there's trash that's like it doesn't sound the way that you want an amp to sound because really you yeah. should be getting a tube amp, and there's trash that's like wow, this is built poorly and mm -hmm. it's you know it's got major design flaws to it, you know, sort of thing, yeah. But on the other hand. Um, there were a lot of guitar amps that were great. Oh, fantastic. That solid were state solid amps. state amps. Um, and some of them, you know, were, were used by major players. I think bass players in particular were really early adopters, yeah. of course, of, of solid state amps, probably the most, um, more power, more mo headroom. Yeah. The, the, more clarity. the most famous of which, uh, in that time, well, a couple of famous ones, uh, like faster response. Like you don't get that sag. Yeah. Uh, tubes. Jacko Pastorius with the acoustic three sixties, mm -hmm. uh, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin also with the, the acoustic stuff. Um, and then I mean, there, Albert King was using, uh, yeah, State. Albert King was using, I believe an acoustic two sixty. Yeah. There's pictures of the Doors performing live with full acoustic backlines, and Acoustic was one of these brands. Steve that and they, I are acoustic fans. Yeah, they kind of uh, they adopted like the Marshall model. So Jim Marshall was really uh, well known uh, in when he was alive, and when he was in control of. He's Marshall. not well known anymore now. That uh, <laughs> that's what Steve was saying. He he was well known for like Marshall didn't do artist discounts. Right. It was, or at least they didn't get, I don't know if they didn't do art, artist discounts, but at least they didn't give product away. They never said like, Hey, you want to be a Marshall artist? We'll give you some amps. It was, Hey, you want to be a Marshall artist? 
okay, come buy our amps and you can be, you know, uh, acoustic was the same way. They did not, they didn't give any of that stuff away. Um, some of them did have reliability issues. Um, oh my gosh, the name just slipped out of my mind, but there was a, there was a, um, well-known jazz fusion player. I'm going to be so mad that I forgot Pat Matheny. Okay. Used an acoustic 134 for a long time. Apparently he loved the tone so much that despite the fact that it kept like, he, he, I think he owned two of them because one of them was like always in the shop basically. Right. Um, now that wasn't our experience. The 134 is a combo version of the 150. It wasn't our experience with the 150s because no, but we probably weren't playing as many shows as Pat Matheny was. No, no. I mean, we we uh, we've gigged our acoustics pretty hard. Yeah, but yeah, not not nearly that amount. <laughs> uh, when he wasn't using Fender Twin Reverbs, BB King was using a, a Gibson Lab Series L5, which was a, a pretty famous solid state yeah. amp as well. Uh, my theory on and this is, I think, a fairly well educated theory. Uh, on why solid state has a bad reputation mm-hmm. is because one at, at a certain point it was exciting new technology and it had yeah. its benefits and there were reasons why people wanted to have it two it was very affordable mm-hmm. to crank out cheap versions of solid yeah. state and it just dominated the like beginner practice and mm, market mm. like that section of the retail market for amplifiers just became nothing but solid state 15 watt amplifiers with crappy little eight inch speakers and, you know, terrible drive sections and yeah. stuff like that. And I think that was really the thing that killed people's impression of solid state amps is like, Oh, I've had a solid state amp. It wasn't very good. It was my first amp. It's like, yeah, it was your first amp. Mm-hmm. If you are, are trying to chase down like a uh, big, heavy crushing, you know, thick, heavy metal sounds. And you started out with a champ. You're going to think a champ sucks, even though it's a tube amp. It's yeah. not the right amp for what you're trying to play. Same with a 15 watt practice solid state amp. It's yeah. not going to sound the way the vast majority of people want to sound because it's just, it's not that. It's not anything, really. It's a mm-hmm. way to have volume with your first guitar. And so the abundance, the overabundance of that technology as an affordable beginner's amp, I think really ruined its reputation and it made it harder for people to justify higher end solid state. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to that eight inch speakers, like you said, on the, on the 12 are on like the 10 and 15 watt yeah. amps. Um, didn't help all the times. They're the cheapest speaker. Cheap speakers aren't always necessarily like the worst speakers, but when you're having a combination of across the board, just the cheapest components you can get, uh, you know, you know, they people say like, "Oh, you got make sure you're running good speaker because your sound's only as good as the weakest link, right?" Right, right. Or you know, you got to use good cables because your sound's only as good as the weakest link. When you're running like a cheap solid state amp, every component is the weakest <laughs> link. Uh, but before my sister blew it up, I had a Crate GFX 15. Yeah. Uh, which is their stupid little... I had the 15R, uh, which had a real spring reverb. Yeah, the GFX 15 was all digital effects. Yep. Uh, and I took that, and I took the speaker out from it. I don't know why it had a speaker out, but it had a speaker out. And I plugged it into a Mesa Boogie yeah. 4x12, and that thing all of a sudden sounded great, massive, especially yeah. in my bedroom. <laughs> uh, but it sounded like it sounded way better. Yeah. And, you know... Not all speakers are the same. I, I I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. We used to use four by twelves for PA's. We did. We uh, had that that Fender, and we had a Mesa. I think that was my like. I brought that. My, that was my Mesa. I had that Carvin. Uh, oh yeah, you had that Carvin one too. too. Yeah. Um, and I remember running the Fender and the Mesa at the same time, and the volume difference between the two. Was they were both four oh, yeah. by twelves, but the volume difference between the two was huge because the Fender had like the cheap Fender, you know, Fender special design blue sticker speaker in it, uh, and the Mesa had uh, is it the black? I think the it's called the Black Shadow speaker. Oh, I don't remember. Just this massive. I mean, that cabinet, that Mesa cabinet, 
weighed twice as much as the fender cabinet did. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And it was easily uh, a good, you know, probably at least 50% louder, if wow. not a, if not double the volume. I mean, it sounded Perceived massive. volume, and Steve. Perceived volume. And one of the speakers had a like a full tear in it. <laughs> and it was basically That's running That's where the on, tone was. I kind of... Sometimes I put my head down next to that speaker. I was like, this is the speaker that sounds good. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I mean, there's, I think there's at the core def- of, there's, of... There's... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I think at the core of this question, uh, I think solid state... A lot of the brands that were trying to do solid state, I think the technology didn't complement the sound that people wanted. Sure. Um, well, you I know, think that's what I was going to get to. It's like... There are very clear reasons why you should buy a tube amp over a solid mm-hmm, state amp. Mm-hmm. And it is none of those reasons are because it's better. It's yeah. not because it's better, it's because it's different. If you want an amp that does high gain sounds well or like edge of breakup sounds well, like r- basically any gain. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, like amps like the Bandit and stuff like that that do have a gain section, like they're fun. They're fine, but they're not they're not tube breakup. Right. Which is it's a very like desirable sound and feel to an amp to have that tube compression and that tube breakup. Mm-hmm. But if you don't play for those sorts of sounds and you want clean and you want thump and you want like immediate like response and you want headroom and things like that, solid states are amazing. Yeah. Like to do like to do those sorts of things with a tube amp, you have to get really high up in wattage to have that headroom because tube amps are made to break up. They're made to compress and squish. Mm-hmm. They're made to get dirty when you push them. Solid states, that's not their specialty. They have other specialties. And it I, doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're different. I think there are other things at play. Now, one thing that I, I can't comment on, I've heard this before. I don't, I'm not an engineer. Um I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an engineer. Uh, but you d- you did pass the test did, to become I, a sales engineer. That's true. You could that's, be an engineer. I, I, could, Steve. I could potentially can pursue a career as a sales engineer. Sales that's engineering. Um, I've got a degree in sales engineering. The uh, the I I have heard that when you push a solid state amp into like the distortion that will occur when you like push a transistor too far, in a you're making a fuzz. Amp, that uh, that it's like like the harmonics that are induced are different right. than you get from a tube, and that's why it sounds bad. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, the other thing they're just is, not, is they're not made to do it. There are certain aspects of of uh, you know people go like, well, uh, a fifteen watt AC fifteen is just as loud as my hundred watt Marshall MG MG one hundred or whatever, and you know some of that is. Because the measure, the way that the wattage is measured is different. Because, like you said, uh, with or kind of combining our two ideas here, solid state is tends to go clean, 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 all the way up to its limit of clean. Right, and then square wave, square wave. (laughs) Whereas tubes tend to round off, and so they're kind of sitting in this soft distortion range Mm -hmm. where they're getting louder and louder, and they're getting a little more distorted, but not a ton more distorted. They're they're already distorted enough. That you can no longer call it clean power. Right. So 15 watts, you're at your like maximum clean power, but you're still like pushing and you're still kind of getting louder without that cutoff. So there are there's some things like that at like play. my Princeton's, like they don't really get louder past five on the dial. They right. just get dirtier. That's how my that that's how my hot rod deluxe was. Right. My, my hot rod deluxe didn't even really get louder past like three on the dial. Right. It's just, yeah, it and just, you're you're trying to find that spot underneath one for your clean volume yeah. in, in bedroom, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and so you know, from that perspective, um, it, it is kind of about the tool. Now, going back to what Kyle initially kind of asked is like, was this abandoned kind of abandoned technology? Um, I think yes and no. There were attempts later on at making. First of all, I'd say like the Gibson lab, the Lab Series amps, uh, acoustic control, Roland, these kinds of brands, uh, they were making high end solid state amplifiers. They right. were not cheap. No, um, they were as expensive as as like I said earlier. Like they were like a boutique version. 
of yeah. a solid state amp. Like um, that, and that's how they were priced. Like it was like buying a matchless. You right. know, uh, there were other brands. I I own one. Uh, uh, from that's a, right, a matchless I, chieftain. No, yeah, I do not own a matchless chieftain. I do own an amp uh, from a brand called Session or mm-hmm. Award Session. Um, that was an attempt at making a high end kind of a Mesa style, um, right? Solid state amp. It sounds pretty good. It's very boxy. I actually preferred the acoustics mm-hmm. uh, to that because it was like seventy five watts and through a one by twelve. Isn't that one thing? That thing's like impossibly loud, right? Yeah, a it's, little it's super amp. directional, right? Very like a loud. laser beam. I never it's really a weapon. Never really felt like I could dial in like the sounds I wanted. And then uh, I let someone borrow it. And when I got it back, like at least one or two knobs were broken off because they were just like plastic pots. Right. Uh, because they use these super long connector pots. But the guts of it, because I took the thing apart before to figure out how do I replace these pots, uh, the way I think I would replace it if I ever decide to work on it is to like float, like use a traditional style pot and just run wire. Oh, interesting. Instead of because they're like kind of board mount, they're these board mounted long. So the oh, pot, I see what you mean. The pot's like this long, but then they have these like three metal pieces that connect all the way down to the piece. So you would you would attach the pot to the face of the control panel and then run wire down to the yeah, board. just run like a yeah. regular wire. Okay. Um, but what they use to make these amps like super one, they were pretty heavy for what do you think for a solid state amp, right? Um, but in order to get that seventy five watts, big and it's actually pretty in there. quiet is they put a big toroidal transformer in it. So one of the things that a lot of solid state amps, even like bigger solid state amps, especially now uh, when they go into higher power, like they're doing it with the smallest transformer they can do. Well, award session, they decided let's throw all that out. We're going to like design our own transformer to figure out how to do this. Right. Was it successful? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I always thought it sounded good, but again, I didn't have like the best use for it. Um, there was another brand. I don't remember when they were in business. I don't think they were they are in business anymore. Uh, called Pritchard and Pritchard for a long time, uh, for like a few years, they were kind of like considered like a secret weapon, solid state amp um, that a lot of people loved. Like people who heard them loved them, but I think again, solid state was such a dirty word in the '90s, in the early 2000s, and even really up until probably the mid early 2010s, mid 2010s um, that uh, I think it was just hard to, to have that market. Right. It was like, like, as you said, rolling JC 120 and nothing else. Now, part of that too, is that you run into this thing where in the late nineties, you start doing, getting into a lot of emulation PV's doing the trans tube thing. Right. They're trying to emulate tube sound through different methods, different, you know, whether it's JFETs, whatever, different transistors, or now you start getting like the single valve hybrid amps where, oh, we put a 12AX7 for your drive channel. Yeah, do, yeah. Do, 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 do. And then you start having line six around the same time come out and these other, uh, Boss had like the GT3, I think, uh, where it's digital emulation. And so people go, well, that's solid state. Um, in my mind, and I think this should be, this is one opinion that I have that I, I think should be everyone's opinion. There we go. That he, Steve thinks that you should think this. That we should be more discerning in the way that we think about amp technology. So okay. uh, comparing an acoustic 150, I would say that's a solid state amp. Yeah. I would say... Uh, looking, you don't have any other solid state amps in here. Well, the you? boss, uh, bass katana for bass guitar. Yeah. You have the boss it's a bass digital. katana for bass guitar. Yeah. Um, but I would say digital and solid state are different. I, when I, yes, think, when I think of solid state, I think of, there's it, a solid state amplifier in a digital amplifier, right? But that's not there, the point. There's a it. solid state amplifier, but a digital preamp. Right. And so to me, it's like the same, that's like a different kind of hybrid. So you say like, well, if it has a solid state preamp, and power tubes, well, it's a hybrid. Or if it has a solid state preamp or a tube preamp, but a solid state power amp, then it's a hybrid. But to me, a digital preamp going into a solid state, in a lot of the cases, like the Katana, uh, I think this is the Katana well, here, mean, or different things are, are using class D power amps. Technically, anything with a speaker that's, you know, a, a 
electrical device is a solid state amplifier at some point in its circuitry, right? It has some sort of solid state, uh, you know, amp to, to push the signal. Like even if you're running headphones out of a modeler, it's a digital. Sure. It's, sure. it's a solid state amplifier to a certain extent because that power needs to be, uh, you know, yeah, but it, it's set at a level that you can actually function speakers yeah, with it. I'm just saying, I think it's important. Like I, I think of it as there's digital solid state. Right. And there's analog solid state. And I think it's important to differentiate the technology. Like your that your way. your crate um, GX uh, fifteen or whatever it was. Yeah. That was a solid was, state with digital effects. It was solid. It was a different hybrid. Solid state with digital. Yeah. Now you have digital with solid state, where it's like, yeah. I mean, you know what the 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 katana is kind of like that. It's 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 supposed to be mostly. A solid state right. amp that right. happens to have digital stuff attached that, to it. And that's my understanding. Right. So the only reason I pulled that out is because I hear this or I say like, no, there are there are good solid state amps out there. Uh, I don't know in terms of modern production what's like what I would say. Oh, this is a great solid state amp that everyone should go try out. Quilter. Quil no, Quilter's a, Quilter's a great one. Actually, so I posted this on Instagram recently. I've got an old crate power block. Old. Yeah. Um, it's old. early 2000s. Yeah, it's almost vintage. 20 years uh, old or something like that. And uh, that thing's great. It's an early example of a Class D guitar amplifier. And it's all, as far as I know, there's no digital components. It's just an right. analog solid state amplifier with a Class D power amp. And that's different. So people say like, oh, solid state sucks because I owned a Line 6 Spider. And it's like, not only is that a digital solid state amp, but it's like the worst example. Right, right. You know, it was a Spider 1 or a Spider 2. You know, the, I've, I've heard the I Spider mean, 4s are good and the Spider 5s are supposed to be good. But the, going back to the question, one of the reasons why I have remained open to solid state amps over the years is because I did own a PV Bandit. Yeah. Which yeah. is an act like they're affordable. They're mm -hmm. wonderly, mm -hmm. wonderfully affordable. I have the version with the gray buttons, and you can press both of them in at the same time, so you can engage both gain circuits at the same time. Ooh. Secret little trick is that there, the guys. silver? Is that the blue pipe or the silver pipe? Silver pipe, uh, but before the red logo. Yeah, yeah uh, I've, I've heard the red ones weren't that good. I just they they have a. a I want those push buttons to get the mm. combinations. Uh, they have those. They use the slider switch oh, on okay. uh, on the red logo one, but it was an excellent sounding amplifier excellent pedal platform i did i i used to put a like a 10 band eq in the effects loop and you could shape the gain to sound like whatever you wanted mostly i was just scooping the mids because it was the 90s yeah <laughs> but even the reverb on that amplifier was fantastic that's when mm -hmm. i first like got my chance to try like some drip in a spring reverb like i sometimes i think about picking up that style amp again. I sold right. it to a friend for like a hundred bucks or something like that. He probably still has it. Call him up. <sighs> he probably doesn't. He's an adult with children now or something. I don't know if I even have it's him on probably Facebook. probably in the rafters of his garage. You think he's in that? What? I don't know. Is this like a spooktober thing, Steve? Are you saying he's like a spooky guy in the rafters? Oh, no, he's the amp. the amp. The amp is, okay. The amp is probably holding up a, holding up a couch or something. That guy did have a silver screw DS1 though. And I think I, before I even knew, like, that's cool, I think I offered to buy it from him. And he's like, nah, I like it. <laughs> if I could nah, go back, mine. I'd be like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm going to pay you $100 for this. He probably would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. It was cool. Um, I'm trying to think. Just, I guess, maybe, I don't, do you have any other thoughts on this topic? Try a good solid state amp. I think that's what I would say is, is yeah, try try stuff. It's okay to like what you like. Yeah. If you but, are but, dependent on tube sag and compression and that beautiful light breakup, edge of breakup sound, or like a heavy high gain tube distortion, then obviously you don't need solid state. Yeah. But if you're a clean player, a pedal platform player, like, like maybe even like an aggressive player, like you want a really sharp attack on your notes, Think about checking out some solid state. That's all I'm saying. Even maybe, you know, I don't know, like the, maybe the PVXXL might be up your lane. That's yeah. a solid state amp. Like yeah. I love the acoustics for surf guitar. Yeah. And traditionally surf guitar is played with really big high wattage tube amps. 
but they don't typically get pushed to the edge of drive yeah. because they're so big and clean. Uh, like the acoustic control as a surf amp, it's just got that attack, but it also has this warmth and this presence mm-hmm. and this energy to it uh, that you don't associate associate with the cheap, you know, solid state amps of our youth. No, it's a big, it's an overbuilt, right. big overbuilt amp. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Now it, now you think I going back to kind of the analogy you made earlier, right? Like I think people think about think, all those old, like think about all of like, now we think they're cool right now. You know, Jackson audio just teamed up with Silvertone to make the Silvertone uh, 1484 pedal. Right. Right. It's a, the twin 12 pedal. Uh, I, oh, I think they're actually calling it the 1484 because it's actually in partnership with Silvertone. Uh, and I've heard it sounds really good. Um, but I remember, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, something like that. You could get a 1484 for like under 400 bucks. Yeah. Like they thanks were, a lot, they Jack cheap. White. Um, and there were a lot of, uh, guitar amps in that era where really, I think prior to, to Jack White and this kind of, and these kind of like lo-fi sounds where people all of a sudden were like, Hey, maybe this little, this dumb little 10 watt silver tone tube amp is kind of cool. You know, nobody cared about that stuff and you can get them dirt cheap. And there were people who were like, Oh, I, I bought one of those things and I took it to the blues club and I turned it up to 10 and it exploded. So, but those guys didn't, swear off solid they didn't or they right. didn't swear off tube amps they just went and got a bigger tube amp. yeah but those amps there those, are those dumb little silver tones yeah. and uh what other brands were there like garnet i think was one of them and harmony had amps and yeah. Al- alamo i've got an alamo under the table is it a tube amp yeah yeah all, all of those kinds of things like nobody cared about them they were student grade amps that if you pushed them too hard They'd blow up. They're all like five to ten watts, they and they're like grounded correctly. And they're like a cheap five watts, so they wouldn't fill a room. Right, right. And they were the equivalent to the Crate GX15 yeah. of the eighties and nineties, or you know the PV Audition, it's or just, the Rage One Fifty Eight, or it's, whatever. It's funny to me that like every, there's dozens and dozens of different specific tastes in tube amps. But when people get a tube amp that doesn't fit their needs, they don't go like, oh, tube amps suck. Yeah. Like, I'm a metal player. Like, this, you know, this little, like, 5-watt thing, this 5-watt tube amp, like, does not sound metal. Like, tube amps suck. I'm going to go solid state. For some reason, we're not conditioned to think that way. But we get a bad solid state in our lives because it's some, you know, cheap practice amp. We're like, oh, that's what solid state sounds like. No, there's so much, there's as much variation as there is, maybe not as much, but there is variation in solid state as there is in tubes, you know? Yeah. You know there's different you know, ways to make that circuit. Another really cool solid state amp that I, I sold a couple years ago was a polytone. I had that polytone. The polytone was really super cool. Uh, and I sold that, but it was super, I would run, I would, when I would do church retreats where I didn't know what other musicians were going to be there, I didn't really know right. what the gig demanded, I would take that amp because I could, I'd, and I'd take that amp and a small pedal board uh, because, and I'd take an, an electric guitar and a bass. And that amp would do everything. If they could mic it up, then I'd mic it up. If they couldn't mic it up, it was uh, freaking like 130 watts so it could carry the room. Right, right. And and uh, I could run whatever I needed to through it. Yeah. And, you know, there were so- if it was a slow song, maybe I'd play bass for three songs and then I'd switch over to electric guitar for like the slow song and we, I'd have electric guitar backing and acoustic guitar for just a slow song or whatever. And it was super cool. It's very versatile. I but, th- uh, yeah, it, it's a, yeah. it's the right, right piece of gear for that venue. I think people think of as solid state amps, like as an equivalent to a microwave when a tube amp is a gas range. But I think, uh, and that might be true for like your cheap practice amp solid states. Sure. Where it's like, okay, here's something that like, it gets it hot. It does the job, but it's like, no one wants a microwave steak. You know, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? No one wants to eat microwaved chicken. I think 
the range is microwave is, you know, your cheapest, you know, practice amp, whatever. But the good, like the higher end, the well-made, well-thought-out and designed solid-state amps are like a crock pot. Delicious things come out of a crock pot. They're mm. warm. They warm your house. They fill your house with beautiful smells. You have a, a ta- emotional attachments to your family crock pot and things like that. There is an opportunity for a solid state amp to be the crock pot in your life versus the, you know, the crappy tabletop microwave you had in college. That's my, I like fi- that analogy. That's my final thoughts on that. If you enjoyed this content, head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle homecast where for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the production of this program yes. and our lives. It pays for a lot of things that make this show and other videos on this channel possible. Uh, lights, cameras, cables, action. action. Uh, you know, the, the bills that we have to pay for hosting various services yeah. and for uh, various uh, tools and utilities that we use. The mailbox, we're about to open some mail. It pays for the UPS box that allows us to receive mail from strangers without them knowing where I live. <laughs> yeah, so head on, head on over. Um, I don't, I'm, I owe a lot of people, a lot of things. I'm getting my, we'll talk about it more in the what's new. Right, right. Are we going to open this mail now? No, let's do this ad. All right. We'll open the mail later. We are going to open the mail though, right? We are going to open the mail. I made a note so we can open the mail. I'm closing my knife. I was already to open it. Steve. You're ready to stab the mail. (laughs) This was sent by screen drag, uh, Craig Brinker. This is in Australia. It's 250 Australian dollars. Oh, Spike. Uh, there is no... The description just says bass guitar. You, you don't know, know the, how grateful I am for you. Do okay. you know that song? No, I don't. It's an Aquabat song. Oh, that makes sense. Why well, I don't know it then. It's a song uh, about the guy who would ship... Get, go, getting back on what you were just talking about. It's a song thanking the guy that would ship out all their merch. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just very behind on merch, and I said it wasn't going to happen, and then my printer broke. Ooh. And so I got it replaced, but then it was like, I need a... I didn't want to start a, a project in the middle of painting, so um, I'm just basically a terrible person, and every time I ship stuff out, I say I'm never going to let it back up again, and then I do. Okay, what are so we going to say about this guitar? Uh, what we're going to say about it is, what movie does this guitar make you think of? Um, the one on the boat with the cyborg. The one on the boat with the cyborg? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. The one on the boat with the cyborg under siege? No. Cyborg on a boat is what Ty- I'm searching for. Is this like a different version of Titanic? It's not the virus, 1999. Oh, I don't I don't I I recall that name. I did not know it was about a cyborg or a boat. It's it, well what happens is it's like this radio uh science vessel boat mm. and uh and this code gets sent down to it from aliens and it starts turning all the technology on the boat into uh, a cyborg and it takes over like a, a one of the guy's bodies you see here's a picture of his body being taken oh, over wild. and at the end it's like a robot with a human skull embedded in it because oh, it's this geez. alien code that like and they have to like just you know they have to sacrifice the boat and destroy the boat so that this virus doesn't get off the boat to the rest of like the tele telecommunications network and stuff like that. Is that the plot of also the plot, a plot of, uh, look at that. Look at that cyborg. It's a fun movie. Really? I don't know. What were you going to say, Steve? I was going to say Hellraiser. Ooh, yeah. There's a Hellraiser vibe here. Uh, I, this gives me, and I think there's a, I think a new Hellraiser movie just came out. This gives me big Hellraiser vibes. And this does this, Ben Eller listen to this podcast? Everyone should go I look up, up Ben Eller's uh, horror movie podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you know that Ben Eller, the guitar shreddy boy on the YouTubes, he's got a horror movie podcast. Go check it out. It's called Dead and Lovely. Mm. I think is what it's called. But uh, yeah, that's what I thought of because I've been seeing a lot of Cenobites on my Instagram uh, lately. <laughs> I haven't seen a Hellraiser movie in. A very long time. I don't know if I've actually ever seen a Hellraiser movie. It, all these Cenobites, they they love pain and misery. 
So they're always just pulling their skin off and stretching things and exposing all their muscles and things like that and just poking things under themselves. They just love it. Yeah. So that's why I get out of this. Or like, I mean, it's like a I mean, twisted you, version of the Borg. You do kind of have to love pain to play this bass. Yeah. I mean, you have to love pain to play bass in general, right? Wow. <laughs> Where's oh Blade Fricker when you need him? What is going Okay, look at the second picture. Look at the top of the center second picture. Oh, there's another there's like one. An SG looking thing. It's got a freaking saw blade sticking out of it. I didn't even see that. What? This guy's this guy's a repeat offender. He's got to have a band that this is for. Repeat offender, more like repeat a Gibson. Oh my gosh. What to, I mean, I think this bass looks like maybe it started as a Schecter. Uh, you're probably it's, right. It's some kind of P base, uh, but it's got the double sided headstock. Something's going on with the headstock of the tuners. He's like, well, I think he's taken off the key, like the he's put keys things and, like, on attached it. like nuts to them. Yeah, he made the you know what? There's some creative elements here. He made the knobs, the these giant lug nuts. I want like where? What are the spikes? This guy loves nuts. He loves nuts. There's diamond plate steel as pit guards. There's giant conduit piping uh, running all over the place, getting in the way of the strings. There's random metal parts here and there. I, what is that like a fiberglass thing he made to hold the spikes? Like I don't. I, I don't there's like a like I there's know. you know a uh, there's a you know te- like a biomechanical thing going on here where it almost feels like there's like a growth coming out of the guitar yeah. that the spikes are protruding from. A lot of this is extremely impractical and uh, non-ergonomic and in the way of this being a functional instrument. Maybe a little unsettling. But a stage dressing, like, if this fits the look of a band, then, like, what can you say? You could not, like, at a show, you know, you shouldn't do this in general. I don't recommend it. But you see these shows where the guys, like, at the end of the show, they're like... Ugh, they take their guitar and they just like throw it into the crowd. No, you couldn't do that with this. You could not do no, that. No, you would. Someone would die. You're already at risk of like an insurance claim if you hit someone in the head with a guitar. Uh, we happen to know someone that happened to. Yeah, uh, if you caught them with one of these, uh, they would. Yeah, that's a like a wrongful death suit. Yeah. Well, assuming that it's physically sound and that that, that metal is actually. I'm pretty sure there's a, strong, those are sharp real metal. spikes. Well, every spike is a real spike, but how strong are they? You know, is that going to be like tinfoil that collapses, or is it like a solid I mean, it, chunk of steel? It looks like metal. It does look like metal. What they want two fifty for this? Yeah, it's an Australian two fifty. Uh, I don't know what that is in the U.S. It's an Australian two fifty. Like you know, you know the old thing, the old yeah. thing saying about Australian two fifties. Uh, I mean, if this fits the look of your band, why not? I guess uh, the vast majority of these modifications do not look reversible. This is non-reversible. There are holes drilled and things were done, and it's not going back. But uh oh, what you know, you how, know okay. if you want this or not. And everyone else is like, why would I ever want Ryan, this? Ryan, how much would you pay for this guitar? Uh. Under the pretense that I have a band that it would fit the look of? Under the pretense of gun to your head, like, what is your maximum offer on this guitar? So how I usually buy guitars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a normal situation. Um, I would, I would, I would have to offer like 60 bucks. Okay. The U.S. conversion to this is $162. It's not insane. Like I yeah I get it like if but if it does fit the look of your band then it's like that's an easy purchase 160 bucks yeah it's not like he's trying to upsell it as like oh here's the thing that I crafted he knows right he knows right. what he did like this he's he's not oblivious he's just like he's seeing if he can find a buyer for his guitar all right are we gonna open a mail now no we're gonna do a sponsor spot all right this episode's brought to you by. The slice of pie from Big Ear Pedals. There it is. Big Ear Pedals is warming the shop back up. They're heating up those soldering irons. Yep. Get on that list. BigEarPedals.com. Follow them on social media. on the socials. Get uh, on their email lists. Posted some stuff recently. Yeah. Indicating that they will be back in business 
ready to go pretty dang soon. Ready if they're not go, already. If they're not already. Who knows? This episode is also brought to you by Chase Bliss Audio. Makers, well, not anymore, of the Tonal Recall. And if you want to make sure that your favorite Chase Bliss pedal is in your collection before it's on the not anymore shelf, make sure you go follow them on social media, get on their email list, and check out what they have to offer right now before you miss out. How is my radio advertisement voice, Steve? It's okay. <laughs> All right, Ryan, guess what time it is? <laughs> Go buy a generation loss. Get on the waiting list for the next uh, next round of generation losses. Uh, what are you asking? Guess what time it is. What time is it, Steve? It's time to open mail. Finally. Here, you take the letter. I'll take the package. I should probably grab the cyclone because there's probably stickers in there. Keep talking. I'm opening the letter. This is from Colby the March. He says, what's up, boys? Uh... In high school, 10 years ago, two of my friends and me were in a band together. We uh, scrounged together money to buy a big pile of stickers. Recently, I discovered them in my basement and would uh, love for us to be immortalized on the cyclone. I threw in some extras for you to stick wherever your heart desires. I think our band camp still exists. We rock pretty hard. Thanks, Colby, Lamarck, uh, P.S. There is for sure more than one irrelevancy uh, oh, because the band is called Irrelevancy. Uh, there's there's for sure more than one Irrelevancy. We were the less popular one. <laughs> oh, very cool. There's some good places for these rectangle stickers. Let's just do them all. Let's get them all on You want to do them all? Yeah. Here, I'll slap these stickers on. You, you want to work on that box? Yeah, yeah, I'll work on the box. Okay, this is a this is another box from our friends at the Flatwoods Monster Museum. So it's sure to be packed full of more fantastic cryptid themed merch items. We've got ourselves a Braxy Bazaar t-shirt here, Steve. You got the other one of these, right? I do. I have one of those. So that one will be mine. Oh my gosh, there's a couple Ooh. shirts in here. Flatwoods Monster Festival 20th anniversary. That's fun. Dude, look at the back. Whoa, a bunch of sponsors. Dairy Queen's on there. That's cool. Dairy Dairy Queen sponsored the Flatwoods uh, Monster thing. We got some packs of, oh my gosh. <laughs> These trading cards? They're trading cards. Meta Zoo. Interesting. They're like Pokemon cards, but for, for, uh, like cryptids that's fun you want to take you want to split these steve half for your kids know, half for mine i almost feel like uh we need to steal a bit from the greatest generation and and just play war with them <laughs> oh look at this shirt oh this I, i'm stealing this one this one's for me oh that's cool it's got japanese on it yeah i'm gonna wear that shirt all right we've got a letter down here I think I opened the box upside down, which is why everything's at the bottom. I'm going to wear the, those shirts next episode. Look at that! There's a fun There's sticker. A sticker. It's a strawberry Flatwoods monster. Let's throw this on here. This is a good shape. I think I can find a good spot for this. Dear Ryan and Steve, it's been a while since the Flatwoods Monster Museum located in Sutton, West Virginia has sent you something, so we had to fix that. We recently printed two new shirt designs and wanted you to have one of each. No fighting or thumb wrestling. We can send more. Just let us know. <laughs> we also sent along some packs of MetaZoo cards that we thought you might enjoy. If not, your kids might. These are kind of like Pokemon cards, but the monsters they feature are supposedly real creatures that people have seen in real like in real life, like the Flatwoods monster. We hope you enjoy these. Have a great day. Thank you, Andrew. I really enjoy that we get uh, this Flatwoods stuff. Like that's really fun. I put it on the back. I think that's a real nice perfect spot. Perfect. Right there. Shiny. I got some of these irrelevancy stickers over here. Been listening to a lot of This Is Rad lately. Mm -hmm. That's all I got to say about that. We're filling it up. It's going to be full soon. If people keep sending stickers, it's going to be all full up, and then I'm going to have to figure out a way to actually give it away to someone. Oh, you know what? I should. Yeah. 
No, it's fine. I hope that doesn't fall over. All right, what's next, Steve? Keep us on track, because I, I You got can't. anything new? Nah. Do you? Kind of. What do you have new, Steve? My wife painted my office for me. Nice. Because I'm incompetent. <laughs> You're not incompetent. Uh, I, I did some of the... Uh, well, I, did, I don't know if I've ever seen you paint. You might be. I did some of the um, uh, prep work, like mm. the tape, did some of the taping... Uh, but yeah, she's because when I, I don't, I don't, I'm not patient. Right. Even for like house painting, I like, I'm not patient enough to like do the one. She's got a whole mess. She's like, okay, I'm going to do the cut in first and then I'm going to do the cut in at the top and the cut in at the bottom. And then I'll do everything in the middle. And I just want to do like, why can't I use the roller all right. the way to the top? She's like, cause you're going to paint the freaking ceiling. I'm going to be like. No, I won't. I'll be really careful. And then, like, low, like yeah. five minutes later, well, I painted this, the ceiling. this entire ceiling is painted. So I'm an idiot. I personally hate painting inside the house. Uh, I hate painting outside the I, you know, I, I hate house painting. Right. Painting walls and stuff like that. My wife uh, wants to paint the house all sorts of creative colors. And I'm pretty much just like, you can do whatever color you want in any room you want as long as I don't have to do it. So that's the rules around here. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so, so you're, 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 she's painting your home office, which is like, you might be doing live videos from there. Yeah. So we like got three point. of the four walls done. And I thought originally I was going to do all four of the walls in the same color. Uh, but I think, uh, we decided that we're just going to do three walls for now. And the fourth one, we may just do a gray to offset it. Mm. Uh, cause it does feel a little closed in now in there. Yeah. Um, and I think if I paint all four of the walls the same color, it's going to feel really boxy. But we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that fourth wall for a while. And the three walls are the important ones because those are the, those are the ones that would show up. Sure. If I do any sort of like live shoots at home or any kind of filming. Totally. In there. Um. So yeah, it's it's really cool. I'm really excited. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you've already probably potentially seen it. So. Well, there you go. Because I've a reason I to follow posted us on it a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I've posted like the progress of it, but now it's it's done. So very exciting stuff. Oh, I also want to say this Daredevil pilot shirt was also sent to us by a listener. So oh, like the you. Flatwoods Monster stuff, if you want to send us shirts to wear, oh, yeah. uh, send it in the to the address. Yeah. That's it, man. That's all Thanks, I got. Guys. You ready to hit this next ad? Yeah, let's hit it. All right, cool. Uh, this next ad uh, was sent by Greg Straub. This is the. This is the guitar clean out. Oh, that's right. Our next, both of our uh, next ads are going to be from Greg. So this is in toaster. Is that really how that's pronounced? So this guy's got a bunch of is guitars. Is this really pronounced toaster? Is you think it's Towchester? Towchester. Towster. Maybe it's Towster. Towster. England. Toaster. I think it is toaster. Uh, having a guitar clear out to make room for something new. Uh, he's got a EVH 5150 FR for 550 Kramer Pacer classic, uh, Maverick F1 FR, a Sterling music man, JP 50, and then a black star club 40 Mark two. So this guy's clearing up out a bunch of his kind of like mid priced shredder yeah. guitars. Uh, I don't want to like sound like I'm, trying to degrade them, but you kind of like your starter shredders, you know? Sure. But the only reason I want to talk about this ad is because of these wild knobs on the white guitar. What was the brand again? This is a Maverick. The Maverick. F1. F. He's calling it a Maverick F1 FR. I the can, knobs are mounted sideways in the guitar, like, like thumb rollers, you know, like they, you don't, yeah. you don't turn them. Like a like rotating like a clock, you roll them with like your the flat part of your finger, you know, or your thumb or something like that. I've never seen that done before, and there's little cutouts around them to give you space for your finger to interact with them. I I really like the way it looks. I really like the thought of the concept. I in no way think that's a superior design. I'm just trying to figure out like I've never. Heard of this brand. This body reminds me a little bit of like, um, it reminds me a little bit of the new Music Man 
the uh, is it called the is it the Kaizen? I don't know. Model is the new Tosin Abasi model. That that cut on the top edge is really wild. That like German carves that turns into a swoop. Like this guitar has some unique body shaping going on for sure. But I cannot figure out like what is the what's the history of this brand? Right. Um it's you know, probably, there's lots of reviews of the guitar. People this person says they bought it from Denmark Street in London for five hundred pounds. In 2004. So was this just some like late 90s, early 2000s? It probably like, remember that brand Laguna? Yeah. That would like show up in like all the mom and pop stores and like pawn shops and stuff like yeah. that. I bet it's that, an equivalent of that where it's like something has like some sort of like nice features to it or some like unique features. But then you're like, why is this like a $380 guitar? And I've never heard about it before. Like, what is it doing here? It's some sort of like import brand that was built up to you know be have decent specs but like you've never heard of it and you never will again yeah, sort of so, situation. it sounds like the company went bankrupt in the early 2000s but here's here's a review from music radar in 2007 for the maverick f4 uh and they say that it's described as um all maverick guitars are produced by applying perimeter manufacturing what does that mean okay this means that instead of using Automated CNCs and producing a number of identical bodies at a time. Each body is cut by hand using a combination of pin router and good old human interaction. Okay, sure. Basically, the shape is drawn drawn on in pencil using our templates and then in turn carved by hand. Um, so it's designed to compare to like the Sur high-end guitars. It's kind of like the goal. Um, and somewhere in here it says that this is basically like a British high end. Uh, a lot of the hardware on the one that they're reviewing here is Wilkinson hardware, which makes sense. Well, this um, one, this one that we're looking at in the ad, it looks decent. Look, looks like it has a decent Floyd on it. Yeah. It has EMGs, assuming they're EMGs and not OMGs, you know? Uh, but like just the custom hardware itself and all the details look like what I would expect from, you know, like a well-built, Four hundred to six hundred dollar guitar of the era, you know, it's just like you've never heard of the brand before, and you've never seen some of those concepts before, and so it's like, what even is this? Yeah. So in the description, it's in this review, it says that these are parts made in Korea and assembled in the UK. Um, this was listed as six hundred and forty nine. Not this exact one because this is the F one, sure. and the, this reviews for the F four. Well, that's four um, more. I know. Plus three more. Um, it was six six hundred fifty pounds in two thousand seven. So that's actually like, again, it would be comparable to like the higher end price range on like a Schecter. Totally, totally. Uh, actually, probably like the like yeah the higher end like the Schecter C one classic. I don't know like that type of guitar. Three hundred pounds is what they want for this right now. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of compelling looking. Like I w I might get that without the intention of you know trying to play shred on it, just being like, here's an interesting guitar. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that I want one right now. I don't. I'm saying that like if I was in the place where I was shopping, like window shopping, and I saw that pop up, I might sit there and stare at it for a while and think that I want to take a chance on it. You know, because it looks cool. It does some unique stuff. Those, no, those, it's, it's got a, it's those got a side little knobs bit of are a, really interesting. The knobs are really interesting. It's got some PV, you know, yeah. vibe going on or like kind of Yamaha ish. Yeah, Yamaha. Remember when they had that white like I, iPhone looking yeah, guitar? Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of cyborgs, like it looked like a well, it looked like an Android. You know, it looks like a one of those iRobots. And then, like, this is what I was talking about. This, uh, oh, that's wild. Music Man, this is the Kaizen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music Man. But I feel like I get this. Like, it's very different. This, yeah, yeah. The Music Man like, Kaizen is a full offset. It's a very offset guitar. Those two guitars could be in the same band. Yeah, it's probably great for, because it's an offset, it's probably really great for a surf guitar. I'm pretty sure that's what Tosin. Yeah, that's how offsets work. That's what Tosin Abasi plays, right? It's as, a surf. As long as it's offset, then it's a surf guitar. Yeah. <laughs> What about, do you have anything to say about any of these other guitars? No, I mean, it's just... Look, Ryan, it's yellow. Yeah, it's someone clearing out their their uh, affordable shredder guitars. Yeah. And a, and a Black Star amp. 
John Petrucci, yeah, the, the greatest the, selling but signature the, artist of all time. It's the Sterling version. Like all these guitars are the Sterling versions of themselves. Yeah. You know, like uh, you know that 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 Maverick was interesting because it's different. The rest of these, like you can go buy these right now off the shelf. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what's next, Steve? Sponsorship. Sponsor spot. Yeah. This episode's brought to you by Demonic Machines. We didn't they pull a new pedal. Octopus. We didn't pull a new pedal. But this is a cool one. You use this to add, like, the octave part of a f- octave fuzz to other drives or to a clean signal. It's weird. It's glitchy. It's freaky. It plays well with other dirt pedals and boosts and things like that. It's compelling. Go watch my video on it. See if there's other videos on it. Get to know it because it's a fun pedal. Check it out. DemonicMachines.com. Yep. This episode's also brought to you by StringJoy. Stringjoy.com or click the link below because it tracks. It, tra- you st- it gives you your tracking. Stringjoy. Are you string sad? Are you string down in the dumps? Well, get yourself some string joy in your life. Go over to their custom set builder and put together the wildest, craziest set you can imagine. And maybe you're not going to order it, but at least you conceptualized it and you know that it could exist if you want it to. You want a set of strings that's all low E's. Like 56, 56, 56, 56, 56, 56. Go String for joy. It. String joy. You can do it. <laughs> this last ad was sent to us by um, Greg Straub. It is the Ratleth. It's got not, it's, this is a rat, it's from Birch Audio. They make this. Um, we it's not really an ad, it's just a picture it's of just this a pedal. a picture of this pedal from Birch Audio, the Ratleth. People have been wanting us to talk about this for a long time. And here we are, it's we're got, doing it. Uh, Honor. Glory. Glory. Heart. Heart. I, I think instead of the heart knob, uh, it should be honor, glory, uh, and empire. I think the last one should be empire. The honor knob should range from honor to dishonor. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly where you're at. You um, know? Like you want a, you want a brighter sound, then you're going for honor. You want a darker sound, you're going for dishonor. You know. This has got a picture of a bat left on it. This is clearly a uh, Star Wars theme pedal. Yeah, this is Star Wars pedal for sure. Uh, okay, it's got a, it's got Worf on it. If you could, if you put a character on this, is Worf your go-to for this? I would probably want. What was what was the. Uh, the Klingon leader with the crazy eyes. Galron. Galron. That's why I was thinking Galron from a from a meme standpoint. I think he's a much more memeable yeah. Klingon. Uh but I think uh my, But I would want I would want his face big and I'd want the LEDs to be his eyes. Oh my god. I bet uh I bet noise kick right, right. has that. Uh I was thinking though it like it would probably confuse most people. I want this to be a General Martok pedal. Mm. That's the Klingon I want on this. There you go. What was a... I want Worf's kid on here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like I said, I I think I would just change heart for something else. You know what would be a a great companion pedal for this? What? A Wesley Bit Crusher. Oh my gosh! <laughs> how how does that? Not, and it can have like the the sweater colors. Yeah. That's oh a my good gosh! Idea. That's a good. You know, you don't even want to use a Bit Crusher, and you want that pedal. I mean, I tried to build a. a uh, <laughs> we should have like pre-gamed this and figured out more pedal puns pedal for Star Trek. What's that sound? Uh, ring modulator. I do right, I right. try to build a ring modulator once. Well, that's not the same as a bit I crusher. Know, exactly the same. Yeah. Bit crusher. That's good. <laughs> that's real good. <laughs> Wesley bit crusher. <laughs> so we gotta Photoshop it up, you know, or get uh get uh uh chips in on that one. Yeah. Uh I was thinking um you know, a real obvious one would be a a phaser. Well, yeah, a phaser. phaser. There, there's probably dozens of Trek themed phaser pedals out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. What else would you have? Uh, I mean, like you could make like a gravimetric distortion. Mm. You know, and there's you know all sorts of like you could name you know like various delays after you know. 
time dilation, you know, like techno babble, like the chroniton emitter. You that's could, what you, that's what the delay should be called. Sure, sure. People are going to be like, "Why don't you call it the time zero? Or the, like something with tachyons or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's guys. This is your opportunity. Get in the comment section. Suggest names and concepts for um, Star Trek themed compress- pedals. A compressor sustainer called the deflector dish. There you go. Uh, well, that wouldn't that be like a noise gate? Oh yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. Gate, yeah. <laughs> um. Hmm. What else? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a triple fuzz. I don't know. Or a triple delay because it replicates. Something with the uh, the transporter. I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking real hard. It's always like, I'm going to, we're going to finish this. We're going to play the last song in a second. We're going to finish this. I'm going to get to my, and we're going to pack up. I'm going to get to my car. And then I'm going to be like, oh, right. should have been this, whatever thing. You know what? Think about it during the song. And if, if like, we'll say, say our best ones when the song is done. If All we right. can think of any. All right. Uh, this song was sent to us by uh, Kyle Saloka. Let's see. He says, hey, guys, have this demo recording. The vocals are one take and a bit pitchy but you'll get the general idea. The song wouldn't exist without the DL4 Mark II. I started up a drum machine beat and started playing around with loops. This was the result. I've enjoyed seeing what you have to say about some of my past submissions, so please give please give your honest opinion, sunglasses emoji. This song is called Let It Roll Off.
I loved everything about that. Really? That was very, very fun and very much a very cool energy. That was a really good, like, first take on a vocal. Yeah, that was, is no, it was perfect. Like, I'd listen to a full album of that. Yes, please. Uh, did you think of any uh, Star Trek pedal puns? I was trying to think of one. I just couldn't come up with a good one. Well, don't worry, Steve. I thought of three. Okay. Hit me. An obvious one. Mm-hmm. A warp drive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. An acoustic assimilator. This Borg themed. <laughs> or it could be a, like an impulse response assimilator. Mm-hmm. And it like you, you use it to model like your amps or something like that. Your, your, your amps distinctiveness will be added to its own. Uh, and the live long and compressor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst all right, one. All right, all right. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? But warp drive. Warp drive. Well, doesn't Fender already have a warp drive? Probably. I, th- I know they just can't. Or is it just they did overdrive in the Star Trek TNG font? Right. Because all of those, all of their hammer tone pedals. Right, right, have right. Like, f- have like font. It might be over there right now. Let's see. It's either on the shelf or on the... That's the reverb, metal... Look up on yeah. the shelf. Up. Overdrive. Overdrive. Is it the Star Trek text? That's like the next generation It is. Text. It is. Okay. That's okay. what they were going for. So warp drive is still open. Someone make it. All right. Bye, everyone. Stay grounded. Stay grounded.